If you're able, sorry, stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read the scriptures. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Luke 2, 9 through 10. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The word of God for the people of God. got a, another surprise for you all today and it is that we have another testimony uh, for joy and so when I was praying and studying this I just thought of my sister Kathy Barnett and her joy in her life and how she's been a steadfast example of joy um, in my life so I want her to come and testify about the joy of the Lord. Is this one still on, Audrey? This one? Yes. Oh, you can use this up here. Okay. Just put it up here. I need some light, people. There's some good light here. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this is great. Um, A greeting in our household is good morning. Or good afternoon, or good evening. So I'm going to greet you in the Barnett family way. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you, Bobby, for asking me to share. I had to think about it and pray about it in order to know really what the Lord, I guess, how He wanted me to share joy. And uh, so this is my joy journey. And the first thing I want to say is that. I think the Lord has shown me, as well as a lot of you, because we've all gone through hard things, that joy is not a state of mind, but a state of being and a gift from God. Yes. And it's not a gift that just a few people have. It's a gift for all of us. And he desires and entreats all of us to walk in that joy of the Lord. So that's a process, you know. So a little bit of my background is uh, I had a great childhood. I was raised in a very happy home with a lot of extended family, cousins, and we were always getting together and enjoying family life. Um, Raised in the Church of Christ, and so probably back then it was a little different than many Church of Christ are now, (coughs) but um, very strict and uh, very New Testament, uh, not, not a real big Old Testament, not a lot of conversation about Old Testament, very New Testament. And um, so being raised in the Church of Christ, those were my belief systems, what I was taught. But uh, even then, I, you know, I questioned even as a kid a lot of that theology, but they preached the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
And at 13, that was kind of a first benchmark for me, spiritually, uh, at 13, I, you know, we had devos on Sunday night. That was our thing on Sunday night for the kids. I had a great youth pastor, and kind of, the Lord kind of blindsided me uh, because I had a, a wonderful, um, deep salvation experience that night. You know, there was always a call mm -hmm. among the kids. There was always a call at church. And the Lord kind of blindsided me in that, in that I really was not prepared. But <laughs> I was so convicted deep in my heart that as a 13-year-old, I carried, I carried the sin of the world just like Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I accepted the Lord that night, was baptized, and of course, the church, and I really had a pretty supernatural baptismal experience. Mm -hmm. uh, church of Christ did not, you know, they did not believe in real-time miracles. Mm -hmm. And so I remember sharing after I was baptized, <coughs> when you had a profession of faith uh, at that time in our church, it's like, we're going to the church right now, you're going to be baptized before you back out, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, and I'm glad, I'm glad, because for me, it was what I needed, and it was what the Lord knew I needed. So that was kind of my first experience with godly joy, and so I remember so well being dunked in the water. And when I came out, I was a new creature. Mm -hmm. I was a new creature in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, for probably a week, uh, my mom had and dad had a fireplace with a hearth. And I remember coming home and I was still wet. And I was walking on a cloud. I was like, a good foot off the floor. I knew I was. And I and that sustained me for a week. And I just felt the presence of the Lord in my life. And um and in sharing it with my mom, of course she was she was very skeptical and kind of dismissed it, but I knew what the Lord had done for me. Mm -hmm. So that was a very real and true experience. It doesn't happen that way for everybody, but it did for me. So moving on <coughs> through adolescence, that kind of, you know, that, uh, that went a little by the wayside in adolescence, but Tay and I started dating in high school, and um, when I, I was, I guess I was in nursing school, Tay was in, um, he was going to state, and um, during that time, Tay's family had a real God awakening, and uh, their oldest brother, Bobby and Tay's oldest brother, Kent, uh, had come to know the Lord from an interesting past of unbelief, and, you know, you've heard the story from Bobby, uh, one by one, everyone came to know the Lord in the family as a result of Kent and uh, Boyd, but I think Boyd Wright came to know the Lord through Kent, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah. So Kent and Lana, our brother and sister-in-law, were very instrumental in ministering, you know, another level of um, uh, discipleship and another level of walking with the Lord and just an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and his ministry in our mm -hmm. lives. So that was another, um, I guess, another step, 
another level of me experiencing great joy in the Lord. And so, you know, again, as time goes by, Tay and I got married. Um, we went then to Albuquerque. I worked at UNM at the, I mean, at uh, the uh, BCMC, which is now the University Hospital. He was going to UNM, and after a fairly short period of time, I think his dad was talking to him about uh, needing help at the store. All the boys were raised in the floor covering business. And uh, so he was kind of leaning that direction. He wasn't liking school there, too liberal. And I loved my job, but you know, um, what it, we, we made the decision together to move back to Roswell. He worked in the store and then I was trying to figure out in nursing what I wanted to do. In the meantime, and I'll have to say this, um, well, just in talking about the Kent and our sister-in-law and all of the Barnett families, they were very instrumental in my life and, and I will always be so grateful. They are my brothers and sisters in the Lord and they are my brothers and sisters in the flesh. Mm. So, you know, what a, I mean, it's just a joy to be part of that family. And so we moved to Roswell, then we moved, uh, well, we moved to Roswell, stayed there, and then Boyd wanted, uh, Tay's dad, wanted to open a business up here. And we were newly married, had no kids, so we were kind of the likely candidates. We prayed about it, and we really wanted to be here. I mean, we felt like that's, this is where the Lord want us, wanted us to come, work, and um, serve him. And so we did, and life began. And um, I've always kind of thought of myself as a joyful person. I'm happy in most circumstances, smile a lot. I'm happy a lot. I laugh a lot. And so, you know, I always kind of thought in my younger years that was joy. And I recognized that it was, I felt like it was from God because it just came so naturally. And my kids, you know, even tease me about it now as grown-ups. They, um, when we're together, <laughs> they'll always, because I smile a lot, say, hey, Mom, that's my smile, I guess. <laughs> just randomly, you know. So I, I'm going to take that as a, an offering of love, a gift of love from them. <laughs> they have a funny way of making fun. Our kids have a funny way of making fun of us, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, that was my definition of joy. And then life began and hard things started happening. And, you know, through that, through those hard things, and, and you all know us well enough, most of you to know, one of those was when Tay was diagnosed with Parkinson's at a very early age. We had a baby, and the girls were like 10 and 13, and a business to run, and you know, a lot of life, a lot of life, a lot of commitment. But God was so faithful and is so faithful. And that, I guess maybe about that time, walking through those hard things and all of us have walked through hard things that's when really the lord began to show me unbeknownst to me what real joy was joy of the lord the joy he puts within us and i want to read <coughs> something i wrote because i'll 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 butcher it if i don't um 
It, I said, we learn what real joy is when we go through hard things. We may not feel joy at the time, but when the battle is over, when that then that's when that deep, abiding, sustainable joy comes into our life that God has given us. It's a product of walking through hard things in life in faith. So as we walk through those hard things, we may not feel joy, but if we're walking in faith, joy is the outcome. And it's, it's not necessarily demonstrating and demonstrated in smiling, laughing, although God gives us that, and it's mm -hmm. a beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. But real joy of the Lord is what he does, that deep work he does in us, in hard things, mm -hmm. on the other side of hard things. Mm -hmm. And we don't ever ask for hard things, but they're good. They mm -hmm. are really good. Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of metaphorically, David stated in Psalms 35, I think what I just read is a metaphor of what he's saying. And we've all heard this scripture. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that metaphor of weeping is hard stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and we walk through it either kicking and screaming or we walk through it <coughs> with the grace of God. And even mm -hmm. if we don't know what's happening or what he's doing, we trust and we have faith that he's at work. Mm -hmm. uh, so then again, when the, in the morning, when the battle's over, that's when the joy comes. Mm -hmm. And so um, let's see. Uh, I said this was a personal thanksgiving for God's repeated care and deliverance over the course of a lifetime for David. And this is true joy. Um, so I want to close. I'm not going to give you details of all of my journey because we all have our own. Uh, but just knowing that joy is not, it's not a thing you can contrive. It is, it is, it, it, it comes with the deep work God does in your heart as we all walk through life. Mm -hmm. And that's his joy to see that in us. So, John, I'm going to leave you with this. John 15, 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be full in you so that your joy may be full. So Hallelujah. his joy mm -hmm. has to be full and he desires that his joy is full in us so that we will be full of joy. Amen. So, walk in joy, church. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Kathy said that... Um, that our family was a blessing to her, but she was a real, real blessing in our family. And it's brought a lot of joy, I know, to her own immediate family and to Kay and to, to, our, to our family as well. Today we look at joy. I titled this sermon, Formidable Joy. I just think the words are really interesting together. And we're going to look at that as we remember joy this week of Advent. We're remembering the joy of the birth of Jesus. 
births are just joyous when children come into the world. But when Jesus came into the world, it was more than the, the joy of an average birth. It was the joy of good news, of great joy for all the people. So this was glorious, glorious news. Um, and at the end, after this life is over, we who are in Christ are promised this formidable joy that will never end, an everlasting joy that shall be upon their heads. And that's what we want to look at today, this joy that comes from the Lord. So this first part, the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Who, who are the ransomed of the Lord? Or this announcement, this good news with great joy that a Savior is born. Why a Savior? Why a Savior who is Christ the Lord? Uh, looking at all these meanings, who, who is it good news for? And I mentioned this earlier, it's good news of great joy for all the people. And then the scripture right after that, verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day. Jesus, born for you. Yes, them, the shepherds, appeared, but for all the peoples, for you, for you. Me, Jesus, for unto you is born this day. It was for all the peoples, for you, for you sitting here today. Jesus was born for you. This was great news. This is great news. This is good news of great joy for you. And the ransomed of the Lord, to be ransomed. Do I need to be ransomed? I mean, ransomed is like for somebody held in captivity that needs to have a price paid for them to get out of that, a ransom price paid to be taken out of that captivity. Do I need, am I like you know, held captive? Am I a slave of some kind? Uh, why do I need to be ransomed? All these things. Is this good news? Do we understand this announcement? And if so, on what level do we understand it? I think one of the announcements of the name of, of a Savior who is Christ says something. Who is Christ? Now, that would have meant something to the shepherds. It would mean something to somebody with any kind of biblical understanding. The Christ, this is the same word as the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Old Testament. This is the same word, just in Greek, Christ, Messiah. It means the anointed one, the, who is the Christ. It's not his last name, Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> it's, He's the Christ. He's the anointed one, the promised one. He's here and he's for all the people. This is good news of great joy. He's been born. It's, it's just glorious, great news for everyone. And it is Jesus, his name, who will save us from our sins. That Savior, we need a Savior. Thinking of this good news, great joy for all the people. Good news, great Christ, the Messiah, everything that had been promised of the Messiah was born in this child baby. He's arrived. He's here. It's happened. All of these thousands of years of prophecy have arrived in the Messiah. He is the Christ. 
the Lord. So, you know, that was a little bit more than they really understood about who the Messiah would be, that he would be the Lord. Yes, he would be an anointed king. He would be a, the Lord in that sense. But in the, in the proclamation of this, it's that Christ the Lord is God himself come in the flesh. Like we needed a savior who was Christ. Yes, everything promised in the Messiah. The Lord, not just savior, but the Lord. Like he would be that, he would be the Lord. In reading one of our devotionals, uh, the weary world rejoices uh, to think about that he's the Christ, that God himself had to come to save us and his eternal son, Christ the Lord. He had to come to re rescue us. He had to come himself to pay the, the ransom price for us to uh, redeem us. And that this was the good news of, of great joy, that it, it wasn't just an idea. He wasn't just presenting some words, some ideas. This is what I think, but he was presenting it in himself. He was coming himself. He was Christ the Lord. Not an idea, but the son, the child that was born for us to redeem all people. A son was given. Not, not an idea. This costly gift wrapped up in Jesus. And this weary world rejoices says, uh, this is actually not flattering. That it would take the Christ the Lord to be our savior. That doesn't say a lot of good things about us. It basically says we're so lost we're so addicted to sin that nothing less than a cosmic rescue operation could free us. That's what it would take. I mean, to see that what God had to send in his eternal son to rescue us says something about how deeply we were held in captivity to sin. This is what it would take to redeem us, to ransom, to be the ransomed of the Lord, it was going to be costly in his own son. This good news brings great joy. It's, it's this Savior who can pardon us. This, he's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's come to forgive us of our sins, but he is also Christ, the Lord, who is master of our life, who can free us from the power of sin. Free us from the guilt of sin as our Savior, but he is Lord too. This is good news of great joy. He's the Savior and Lord. A lot of people go, yeah, I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to be forgiven of my sins, but just don't mess with my life. You know, let me keep that the same. He's going to mess with your life. He is not just Savior, but he is Lord. He is Christ the Lord, and it's actually good news because it means you're no longer held captive to sin, and you're no longer held subject to the power of sin. You now have a greater power. It's good news of great joy to be free from sin and its captivity. I like the Isaiah scripture, the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Now we know if we know something about the biblical story and where Isaiah is here, uh, Mary read from some of it in Isaiah 35 in the beginning, streams and desert flowers blooming, and it goes on to this verse right here of Isaiah 35, that the ransomed of the Lord shall return with seeming, but shall return. So there's some meaning there that 
Israel had been taken captive into Babylon, that they would be taken captive into Babylon, judgment coming because they still were persisting in their sin. God's warning through the prophets all these years hadn't turned them. He says, okay, I'm going to subject you to your sins. You're going to be taken captive into Babylon, but you shall return. Okay, so there is a sense in that this prophecy is answered in their return as they come back into after 70 years of captivity they return from babylon back to their home rebuild the temple and you can read about this and ezra and nehemiah especially nehemiah rebuilding the wall ezra and the finishing and dedication of the temple the ransomed of the lord shall return but the things that he's going to say next uh, really can't be uh, seen as fully fulfilled in their return uh, there. Isaiah is talking about in that whole chapter, it's nestled in between these uh, judgment coming and, and their captivity. And this return from exile is something much more and deeper. And here's what one of the uh, devotionals that we were reading, The Weary World Rejoices, said about this. And I think it says it real clearly. These two chapters, uh, chapter 35, is nestled between these two chapters of judgment and invasion. Isaiah 35 is suffused with joy for God's weary people. Mm, sometimes we are weary. In fact, he said that. Even as they're about to experience the pain and consequences of their disobedience and rebellion, God extends a promise that it will not always be this way. You will not always be in exile. It will not always be this way. And he extends this great scripture and promise of hope for God's people to return to Zion from their exile in, Bab in Babylon. Yet Isaiah's joyous language here, which we're going to dive into and look at, can't be contained by those events of their return in 538 B.C., when they returned out of Babylon. There is a, a better hope and a glorious day still to come that Isaiah is talking about. And we want to dig into to look at that. As Christians, we will see this in our own lives that we still endure sorrows and sighing. He's going to mention that in this scripture, sorrow and sighing. But we are promised that that heavenly Zion will one day descend on us and in Christ, one day, we will awaken with eternal delight. And that phrase right there was in our devotional. And when I read it, uh, Teresa was, was, was weeping, you know, at the, at, at the end of this. And she was just thinking of that. And we began to talk about it, this eternal delight that we will have in this heavenly Zion. That's what Hebrews 12, 22 talks about. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This heavenly Jerusalem that comes out from heaven uh, above and down to the earth that John speaks of in Revelation. This new Jer Jerusalem, this uh, heavenly Jerusalem, this Mount Zion that we will return to. Uh, in Revelation 21, 4, 5 says this, this new Jerusalem coming down of heaven and then uh, John writes, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You want to wake up to that eternal delight? 
Hallelujah. Every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Want to wake up with that kind of eternal delight where there is no more death? Neither, sh neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. Hallelujah. We love that. The former things have passed away, and he who's seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said this, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The joy of the Lord is in the promise of God, in that joy that the Lord alone can give and promise, and it's trustworthy and true. Just think, Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths, would bring us all of that. <laughs> it's like a little baby. He's going he's gonna to bring us all of that wrapped in these swaddling cloths. That's joy to the world. Amen. Amen. Joy to the world. Joy to that baby in that manger. This is the joy of Christmas. This is the joy of Jesus in the manger. And it says that the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. It's an interesting word used here for singing. It's a uh, renah. It's uh, a ringing cry. That's the best way you can uh, say it. A ringing cry. This is the kind of singing everybody can do. Even all of the people that says, I don't really sing. I don't have a voice. You don't want to hear me sing. We want to hear you sing. We want to hear this singing. Everybody's going to be singing. And it's going to be a ringing cry. Okay, that's what it is. This is not choir singing. This is not required voice lessons, talent to everybody to be in this part of the singing. This is the ransomed of the Lord returning with shouts of joy, blowing of ram's horns. It's the sound of a ringing cry that you just lift up to the Lord. Hallelujah. It reminds me of David dancing before the Lord with all of his might and the people of Israel bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy. Shouts of joy, ringing cries. David just dancing out there with all of his might. And, you know, he took some criticism for that, if you know a little bit of the story. Uh, you looked really foolish out there. And here's what David responded with in 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22. He says, God has appointed me leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. You might not have been in tune. Your dance step wasn't right. You looked silly. You looked foolish. Like you were in a little diaper jumping around it there, David, in your little priestly gardens. Do you think you, you know, yes, I celebrated before the Lord. In verse 22 he says, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Think that was foolish? I'm willing to look more foolish and even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Have you ever done this at any time in your life, anywhere, been willing to look foolish for Jesus? To jump, to be overwhelmed with so much joy, you were just going to cut loose like nobody was watching? Being so joyful that you didn't care about what anyone thought around you. Uh, we began to ponder and talk about some of these times in our life, and not just, you know, times uh, in the Lord, which I've 
had God ask me to do things that made me really nervous, like stop preaching now and run around this building and shout for joy. And I did in the midst of a lot of strange people that wasn't even in this church. That's where I was asked to speak somewhere. And everything flooded over me. You're going to look stupid. People are going to do it. And I took off running and ran around the whole building. And I was shouting to the Lord, glory to the Lord. And I ran all around and I came back. And that still makes me nervous to this day. <laughs> so, but I was foolish, hopefully, for the Lord and for his glory, just to be obedient. And, uh, you know, there's times like that. Uh, there was one time in here where the Lord said, you know, I was feeling very melancholy and just a spirit of, of heaviness. And he said, just start dancing before the Lord. And it took me a little while because I kept preaching. And he said, no, just stop. And, just, and I said, well, I'm still right in the middle of this. He said, now, no, now do it. You know, and I was like, okay, and I started jumping around here and going crazy, and people's eyes got really big, and they were like, what, what's going on? And I was just trying to be obedient to the Lord. Sometimes I think we can do that. I think that's what this singing means, shouting and triumph. Maybe the only thing we can re relate to is a roar at a, at a sporting event where they just stand up and they start flailing and jumping around and shouting. And my wife, uh, Teresa, even did that at a, at a basketball game of our, our sons that was we, we were behind like a point it was you know they, they had uh, it was just I can't even go into all the details but my son took off running is the fastest person to ever pass through here and ran four years of collegiate track in college and ran against fast people and anyway he took off in basketball guy threw it to him they said that he took three steps to cover the whole court <laughs> that he ran and, and coaches were trying to say, you know, that they needed to do this, practice this. Take off running so fast when you catch the ball, you take three steps before, you, before, before he launched it. So all these people collapsed on him uh, to his, uh, instead of shooting the shot, he lobbed it to his center and the forward. And he put it off the backboard with about three seconds left in the game. And it went off the backboard and into the hoop before the buzzer. And this noise, a shrilling cry. You know, maybe that's all we can relate to is something, some event like that. But that's the kind of singing he's talking about. They will return with singing. Okay, this is really glorious. And then he says, everlasting joy. This is our subject today. Everlasting joy. Well, singing goes with joy. Shouting out, crying, you know, a, a ringing cry just goes with what joy is. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. It's a, it's a striking, striking sentence. I listened to a sermon by Ray Ortland. Uh, Teresa and I were at this uh, music conference in Nashville. Teresa loves worship music. I mean, the, we got to hear Phil Keggy play just live right there. We got to hear just the best musicians in the world singing with the Gettys and all of this. And during this time, that Sunday, we got to go to Ray Ortland's church, which is there in Nashville. And uh, he was, so I, I saw him with this sermon in this area and I got some of the ideas and I'll be quoting some of the things that he said uh, in the sermon because it impacted me very powerfully it wasn't while we were there that time but one that I just listened to more recently but this everlasting joy shall be upon their heads he said uh, why is that line there uh, joy upon their heads and he said unlike so much of this life this joy we won't have to work it up it will come down on us and I was just like whoa I got wait, let me listen to that again just a second here and that's what Kathy was talking about she was talking about a joy and she used the word that you can't contrive I, I had no idea exactly what she was going to share today 
And when she said that, it just, this erupted in me. You can't make this up. This is a joy you can't create on your own. It comes down upon us. It's not something that we work up. This joy is, we won't have to drink our way into it. Let's drink our way into a big party, you know. And uh, we won't have to drink our way into it. We won't. It'll just overflow in us. And he said this, this joy will not be the mood of the moment, but a waterfall of refreshment. And he went on and said some other things, but when he said waterfall of refreshment, I had this image of this waterfall, which I got to experience. This was a joyous time in my life. Uh, on our 30th wedding anniversary, Patrice and I got to go to Kauai, uh, an island of Hawaii, the Garden Island, uh, and it was gorgeous and beautiful. And one of those days I got to go on this epic hike uh, that uh, along the Nepali coastline, the Kalalau Trail, and, and, and part of the way, a couple of miles into it, uh, there's a trail that goes inland two miles of, of great incline along slippery, muddy, rainy uh, uh, river that's pouring down, and you're in a jungle. Uh, <laughs> it, it receives some of the highest rainfalls of any place in the whole world uh, on, on Kauai, and they've set records for the amount of rainfall that they get and so it's wet it's muddy they've had record uh, uh, amounts of rainfall so the waterfalls are all spectacular all over the place there's natives coming out and we're like asking them why are you guys here i mean we're tourists we understand why we're here and he said and and these two uh, native islanders said we're here because in our whole lifetime we've never seen three a waterfall shooting out this 800 foot drop uh, there's only been one but we always heard that if there was enough water that had come down three would shoot out, and we're here to see the three. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we're seeing something really weird. <laughs> and, but this hike was, I got up there, and, and there was nobody there at this pool of this waterfall that was just only 300 foot drop straight down to this luscious garden, uh, steep cliff that reclined into this pool of water. And uh, so uh, me, I just, I love freezing cold water, so I jumped in and swam, went under there, got next to the, the waterfall, then went under the waterfall with 300 foot of, of record epic rain falling down on me, which completely uh, pushed me under the water real deep. I had to take a deep breath because it pushed me so far under the water and I was swimming and all of these bubbles were going off all around me. You could hear the sound was just roaring in your ears of this water just thundering on top of you. And you had to swim down and away to get out from underneath it. And I came up and I shouted with joy. A ringing cry, and it was it was very cold too, uh, but also it was just joy, and that's one of the pictures that I have of everlasting joy being upon our heads, like this refreshment of a waterfall, and it was very this this whole trip was very refreshing, but that moment just makes me think of this waterfall of everlasting joy that shall be upon their heads, uh, that promise. we will finally know fully the, the scripture Kathy read in John, my joy shall be in you. Reifel preached once and he mentioned it this morning on joy on you. And the reason he used the word on because J on you spells joy. Joy, you know, Jesus on you, you know, joy. Jesus on you. And one person came up to me afterwards and said, it's really Jesus in you. 
And I said, I know, but did you get the point? Jesus on you spells joy. <laughs> like, come on, you know. That was a lot of years ago. Uh, and so don't let that rob your joy. You know, Jesus is on you. It's in you. It's all over you. It's a waterfall on you. Uh, just receive the joy. It's, 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 in, it's in Jesus. And we have every... We will have formidable joy. This is, this is my uh, title. When, when that came out, and this is everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, we will be formidable with joy. Like we will be strong in the Lord. Remember Nehemiah? Rebuilding the walls, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You'll be formidable like that wall, you know. Uh, and it's like you think of the word formidable with all kinds of other things, but to put it and blend it with joy, it just has stuck in my head all week. And it, then it, and it goes on to say, they shall obtain gladness and joy. What's that about? Actually obtain it, like possess it, have it. Kathy talks about having it now, and we do have so much of it now uh, in Jesus. And I, Isaiah is saying uh, we will obtain it in all kinds of w way more powerful ways than we can possess it now. Because um, this is something we've been looking for all of our lives. I think we've been looking for joy. I think we've been fishing for joy. We've been searching for, for joy. We've been looking for an experience of joy. And we want that ultimate version of joy that won't fade away. Because it seems like with the, this world, uh, wh whatever joy we experience, it fades. You lose the memory of that joy and it fades, and we're always looking for that. Can we find that joy that never fades away? Well, this is the joy. This is it. They shall obtain it. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Everything worthy will be ours. We will be, this is a, another word, deluged with joy. Deluged. Inundated. A great quantity of joy. Overwhelmed, overloaded, overrun, flooded, swamped, snowed under engulfed showered bombarded <laughs> with joy oh yes they shall obtain this joy and then this is powerful that's that's heaven that's that's the new jerusalem that's the fullness of joy promised to us and what will not be there sorrow and sighing isaiah goes on to say sorrow and sighing will flee away that's what won't be there sorrow and sighing no more sorrow sorrow's deep sorrow is is the loneliness of being alone sorrow is experiencing death sorrow is catastrophic things in our life that rob us of joy it's sorrows that come our way trials and tribulations that we have to remind ourselves where jesus says be of good cheer, I have overcome them. I've overcome them. Be of good cheer. I've overcome that. That's in the world. And, and, but sorrows are just heavy. Sighing is like all the time. My wife actually sighs a lot. She goes and she goes, ah, and she goes, and she, ah, you know, and it's like sighing is, is the, it's tedious boredom of things. You know how, you got to do these things, man. 
I'm up and downstairs and laundry and cleaning and dishes and kids and laundry and they got this and stinky shoes from the cook and get them out and, bleh, and wash the insides out and do this and that and that and things become tedious. That's sign. That's sign. It's the, it's the attack on our lives here of monotonous repetition, the hardness of doing things over and over again. Do not become weary of well-doing. And then you will reap. Don't become weary in well-doing. I'm becoming weary. Sighing uh, more. <sighs> Can I keep doing this? How much longer do I got to do this? And so there is that. But is it a joyful announcement of great news to say sorrow and sighing shall flee away? They'll see us marching in, singing, like out of our uh, comfort zone. Uh, no train, you know, come returning and design about the seeing shine. And you know what? You know what sorrow sorrow is going to see us? You know, sorrow and sighing is going to see us and, and run scared. Like, ah, here they come. They're shouting. They're singing. And sorrow and sighing are going to run fleeing away. Picture them as people. <laughs> sorrow and sighing. Gone. Fleeing away. Running. Fled. We'll laugh our heads off. I think we'll laugh our heads off, Kathy. Or laugh our heads off with Jesus. Laugh. Laugh. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. In his presence, there will be fullness of joy not just a taste not just a little bit fullness of joy and that takes us into psalm 1611 in your presence there is fullness of joy in your presence oh, read all of psalm 16 and just end in verse 11 oh, in your presence there is fullness of joy and there is now and we taste the joy when we're in his presence we taste the joy when we gather with the saints and we worship and one of the things he concluded with uh, sorrow and sighing that Ray Ortland mentioned, he said, this, this actually woke me up. Uh, I had already woke up, but then I had, was listening to this sermon at 3 in the morning. I had woke up somewhere around 2, and I was listening to this with the phone in my ear. And when he said this, I had to get up and write this down. Sadness is temporary, derivative, dependent, and defunct. Joy is ultimate, original, primary, and eternal. <laughs> oh, sadness, sorrow, you are defunct. Joy, you are eternal, everlasting joy. This promise takes the people of God from walking around with drooping shoulders like the weight of the world is on them and causes them to lift their heads knowing everlasting joy is theirs. That's the promise. And that was the promise wrapped up in that baby. Jesus. He's going to bring all that and more. <laughs> oh, ah, oh. That's a good sighing groaning. <laughs> Just the spirit going, come Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming on that Christmas day. The angels got to proclaim the news, the angel sent from you, God, to lonely, obscure, overlooked shepherds in a field. Got the greatest gospel proclamation we've ever heard. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us come.
Glory to God. Tell a ringing cry. Hallelujah. want you to come and take one of these cups of the fruit of the vine and the breads in the bottom and return to your chair and we'll pray and we will remember the Lord's death until he returns. Amen. Please come. was betrayed, he took bread, and he gave thanks to the Father for it, and he gave it to the disciples, and said, take and eat, and when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, let us partake of the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. For giving us your body. You said, take and eat, for this is my body given for you. We thank you that your body was given for us. We thank you that your body, in many ways, was broken for us. You took on all our anxieties and fears, all of our sins and guilt, and all the power of sin. And you did away with it in your body. We thank you, Jesus. We are eternally grateful for our salvation. It would not have happened without you and your body coming to this earth as a human, lowering yourself, we made in our likeness. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Amen. In like manner, he took the cup that this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood given for you. Take and drink of it. When you do, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my death until I come. Let us partake of the cup together. Father, 
Christmas time when we may be struggling, even as Kathy made sure to mention, Lord, the trials and tribulations, a weariness, Lord, a loneliness, pain in our lives, pain in our bodies. We turn to you and we remember you and we remember what you bore for us on Calvary. You carried our sins to Calvary, took them in your body, and when you shed your blood upon that tree, upon that cross, brought forgiveness to all who will receive the gift of Jesus. We open up our hearts to receive you this Christmas in new and wonderful ways, God. Help us to do that and anoint our hearts to sing with singing as we're led in singing, Lord, in worship of you. Let us sing with joy and joy to the world all that you have brought to us in your son Jesus and that gift of Christmas we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
blessing. You are blessed in Jesus with every spiritual gift in the heavenly places, and that includes everlasting joy showered down from above upon you. May you walk in joy and live in joy and exclaim from a joyful heart your praises to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love one another.